Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and it is a pleasure to get to talk to you today. Prayer is an absolutely wonderful gift from God to man. I would imagine that there have been very few people who have not, at some time or another, even if they would classify themselves as unbelievers, gone to God in prayer. When a crisis hits, people pray. My dad used to say that there were no unbelievers in foxholes when bombs were dropping. If a serious disease hits them, generally speaking, people are going to pray. Parents who are having serious problems with their children, they're probably going to pray. And certainly, faithful children of God go to the Father with prayers every day. The fact is that God wants us to come to him in prayer, and he wants us to be persistent in it. The sad thing is that so many have so little idea about how to pray. Even the Lord's disciples struggled with this. They had heard many prayers by the religious leaders of their day. Those prayers tended to be long and eloquent. They would use big words and impressive statements, and they sounded so good. But the disciples had seen and heard something else in the prayers of the Lord. So one day, they asked him about prayer. Let's go to Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, Lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?
In these verses, Jesus teaches us an awful lot about how to pray. I think we should note, first of all, that Jesus prayed often. Perhaps one reason why the disciples asked, teach us to pray could very well be that they had seen the Lord pray so very many times. One passage that comes to mind is Mark chapter 1, verse 35, where we find, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. It seems that it was a daily practice of the Lord to begin with prayer to God, usually attempting to find a private, solitary place to do so. Additionally, every time a significant event was to take place in Jesus' life, he always prayed. I'm thinking now of Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Later in his ministry, Jesus began the process of choosing and developing the apostles. Moving over to Luke chapter 6, we'll read verses 12 through 13. It was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when the day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he also named apostles. We don't really know what Jesus prayed that night. We do know that he spent the whole night in prayer before choosing the twelve. Maybe he prayed for patience based upon how poorly the disciples behaved on occasion. Perhaps he prayed for them individually that they would be able to hold up to the rigors of the task before them. No wonder the disciples asked Jesus about prayer. He prayed all night before selecting twelve of them to such a special position. Later, still in his ministry, the time came for the closest followers of Jesus to see him in his glorified state. We move on over to Luke chapter 9 and look at verses 28 and 29. That passage says, Some eight days after these sayings, he took along Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. This was the time of the transfiguration, when Moses and Elijah also appeared. In Luke 22, in his account of the Last Supper, we find this exchange between Jesus and Peter in verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Let's stay in that same chapter and see what happened later that night. In verses 39 through 46 we are told, And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and the sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. 
When he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow, and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. In chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus prayed from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Why did his disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray? Because Jesus modeled prayer all of his life. I believe that we can say that Jesus prayed differently. As we read through the sample prayer that Jesus gave his followers, we can take note of the character of the prayer. It was reverent. We find the phrase, hallowed be your name. It was submissive. Your kingdom come, that is, may you rule in the lives of people. It was cognizant of our dependence upon the Father. Give us each day our daily bread. It recognized the need for forgiveness and its relationship to our willingness to forgive. And forgive us our sins, for we also also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And it was so clearly humble and to the point, and lead us not into temptation. In other words, watch over me that I do not give in to sin. What can be somewhat surprising about the sample prayer is how brief it was. It takes just a few seconds to say it. Please do not misunderstand. Jesus was not giving us a ritual formula to say over and over simply by rote to gain God's favor. He was modeling for us a sample prayer, showing us what elements needed to be involved, what the character of our prayer should be. I'll tell you this, this sample prayer reminds us that eloquence does not impress God. As a matter of fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus warns us not to pray in order to sound impressive. You remember Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 7? Jesus said, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have the reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. The very character of the Lord's prayers was what set them apart. Although he could and did pray all night on different occasions, as we have seen, Length and eloquence are not the main ingredients. Did you notice as well that Jesus prayed on a personal level? His illustrative prayer was simple yet personal. He teaches us to speak to God one-on-one. In fact, as Jesus explained the power of prayer, he equated it to a neighbor who imposes upon his friend. Then later, the Lord compared it to a child seeking something from a parent. Both examples show that prayer is a personal encounter with God. However, be sure to remember that it is with God. He teaches us to call on our God as our Father, not as some distant being out there beyond our reach. He calls on us to speak to God with open honesty that we need mercy and to help us to be willing to extend mercy to others. 
All of this points to the personal nature of our prayers to God. He's not calling on us to be overly familiar. God is God. And while he desires that we approach him as our father, it must be done with the utmost reverence and respect, never forgetting who it is that we are addressing. The modern practice of some of referring to God as dad in public prayer is frankly odious to me because I believe it screams out a lack of reverence. Jesus taught us to pray persistently. In the passage with which we began, Jesus told of a man who went to his neighbor in the middle of the night to seek bread. As near as I can tell, the normal homes of that time consisted of one large room with a flat roof that could also be used from time to time for different functions. When bedtime came, everyone rolled out a bedroll on the floor or ground in the house. The father generally slept closest to the door for the protection such would afford. When a neighbor started banging on the door, it would wake everybody up, children and babies included. The idea is persistence in prayer. The same idea was taught by the Lord in Luke 18 verses 1 through 8. In that passage we find, Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust does says. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? This has been the hardest for me. There have been times that I've prayed and prayed and prayed about the same thing, the same set of circumstances, and yet the Lord doesn't appear to be listening. How many times, though, do we find in the Old Testament that those who wait on the Lord will be abundantly blessed? Jesus also prayed with God's presence in mind. The Lord taught us to ask, seek, and knock. But the interesting part of that is the Greek tense. What Jesus actually says is keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. These commands are in present tense, indicating continuous action. The Lord wasn't talking about an occasional throwaway prayer. He seeks people who will keep praying. He wants followers who will make prayer a daily habit. He wants disciples who will make prayer something we just do regularly throughout the course of a day. A great lesson in this kind of praying is that it keeps God constantly in our minds. If we pray daily, and if we pray throughout those days, then obviously God is never far from our hearts. Prayer serves to remind us of God's presence in our lives in a way that nothing else can. Another great principle we must learn about prayer is that we cannot ignore God in our daily life 
and then seek him in a small religious ritual like prayer when trouble arises or we have a special request. We must learn to submit to God in life. We cannot choose to reject God's words and then expect him to answer our prayers. That is why Jesus mentioned submission to God's will in his teaching on prayer. Submission requires that you and I surrender to God's will in all ways. That includes the vitally important decision to become a child of his through our obedience to the gospel and to be washed by the blood of the Lamb. As a child of God, we can confidently call on him. We can knock on his door repeatedly through prayer. We can talk to him, thank him, confide in him, seek his help and his blessings. Don't put off praying and don't give up. Don't ever give up and begin your prayer life by becoming a child of God, believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, allowing that belief to move us to repentance, also a willingness to confess our faith in Jesus as the Lord, and then to be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. And then you have that permanent line of communication with God established for you through prayer. Thanks for listening.